In the last video, we talked about how investors can relate to seed level investing, early stage investing, and avoid getting scammed. But uh, I also recently fielded a question from an entrepreneur who asked, how do I avoid getting bad investors? And there's a lot of lore about vulture capitals, vulture capitalists and investors that uh, are bad to have in your company. And there is a kind of risk in that. So how do you prevent that from happening? There are a number of things to do. The first thing is the, your own feeling of scarcity. And being, being an entrepreneur is a kind of a luxury, but somehow it's easy to fall in the trap of our own feelings of fear and greed, just like investors have fear and greed, right? That's a human thing. And what happens is you're out and you're working to raise capital and you really want it. Of course you want it. And then somebody shows up with a check and it's like, God, you know, if I had that check, I could really X, Y, Z. But then then there's some terms and it's like, oh, those terms don't sound so great, but I really need the money. And so when you raise capital out of neediness, you're going to get predatory investors. They might not necessarily be even trying to be predatory, but it's like this. When I worked in the forest protection movement, there was this issue of the pine bark beetle. And uh, the U.S. government loved to cut down trees and say, see, it's the pine bark beetle, and we have to save the forest by cutting it down. And a great uh, ecologist, Doc Partridge, he said, no, what's going on is the trees are stressed because of the years of mismanagement and overlogging in the first place. And the pine bark beetle will only um, attack the trees that are stressed. So when you bring stress into your fundraising, you're going to get parasitic investors. So how do you avoid getting that situation? Well, this is one of the challenges. I don't know if I can answer this in a universal way, but in general, when you look around, there's something where you can, you may not necessarily perceive an abundance of money, but certainly there's these days more than ever. Like start a YouTube channel, for example, start communicating in ways that you can communicate legally. Like you may not be able to communicate and tell everybody that you want money, but you can certainly give your message as a leader. If you're an entrepreneur, you're a leader. And so you can create a climate around yourself of a kind of abundance because you're getting your words out there. And I think it's pretty interesting to see that the entrepreneurs that are the most out in the public tend to also do the best with raising capital. So you can create and work with areas where there is abundance while you 
get yourself organized. Now, another way is to have a certain kind of integrity and about your business. And where, what does that integrity involve? Some of the most basics, having a separate bank account for your business, uh, keeping your books. I actually manage our books at Vegan Launch. I don't have an accountant just yet because I really wanted to get into it. And it's something that entrepreneurs avoid. Because it doesn't seem to make any money to do your books. Having your books in order, I, I set aside three days a month, the 10th, the 20th, and the 30th. And those days I don't do any business. I just manage the financial and integrity affairs of the company. Anything that's out of integrity on the financial side, I just fix. And as soon as I started that practice, it was very strange. Money just started showing up. It became much easier to receive money that way. Another area of integrity is to not use fancy financial structures. And we have to remember a lot of the financial structures that are kind of common lore in the startup world, like convertible notes and safes, which is essentially a contract for future equity, simple agreement for future equity. Sounds simple, but it's actually very convoluted. These are very convoluted things. Instead of establishing a valuation of your company in very straightforward terms and scheduling your valuation depending on how much you raise that's what i recommend here very simple business structures and now you know what exactly what you're selling and if and if an investor comes in and they say well uh we want this or that and you have to look really carefully about why? Why would you want to have investors who essentially want to take an advantage position over other investors? And this is one of the real challenges of the kind of Silicon Valley type of venture capitalism. I, you know, I can't write off the whole field, but there's certainly plenty of stories where uh, a venture capital firm will say, we'll give you this huge amount of money, but you have to sort of take it out of the early investors, the one that took all the risk, your friends and family. They might say, we need to kind of bend back on those people, make them uh, lose so that we can win. So... How many times really will you get that situation? Probably not as much as you would like because the venture capital firms, even the vegan VCs, only fund one company out of several hundred. I think I mentioned I was just on a on a uh, an, a, a vegan pitching event, and one of the judges said uh, that uh, she had seen over a thousand, I think it was like twelve hundred 
vegan pitch decks in the past year. So there's a kind of scarcity going around. And because of that scarcity, the, sometimes the firms, they're going to make a lot of demands. But it's not because there's a scarcity of money. It's because of this whole complex relationship between regulations and who can be an investor. And with Title III, all of those barriers are beginning to fall away so that we can now have really honest conversations with real people and treat all of the investors equally and fairly and not necessarily give special rewards to people who are bringing in a lot. Now, I want to say that with a fair amount of caution because suppose that you're trying to raise capital and one investor says, well, look, I'll cover everything. I'm ready to put in a million dollars and I want a board seat and things like that. And you kind of have a choice. It's like, well, I could raise money in a lot of different ways or I can work with this one person. If a situation like that comes up, you still want to not approach it with scarcity. That's the time that you want to say, hey, this is great. Um, first of all, like this is, you know, this is like boilerplate coaching. Let's say somebody shows up with a million dollars. You say, well, great. Uh, and, and they want some special terms. And we can respect that because that's a, you know, it's a big deal. They need to protect their, they might really love you, but they also want to protect their investment against common mistakes and things like that. And you have to, you may not even have any idea as an entrepreneur what those terms mean, uh, how that's going to affect the way you run your business. And that's going to take time and even is going to take money. So you might say to that investor, you say, well, look, I'd love to have you do this and I want you to put some earnest money in, non-refundable like, it's going to cost me money just to bring together a team of lawyers and advisors to help me understand what you want. So if you like my idea, I'd like you to put in $100,000 now at the normal terms, irrevocable. And based on that level of faith, I'll take my time and work out a role for you in this company so that your needs are met, that you're safe. So, you know, for somebody who's writing a million dollar check, $100,000, maybe $50,000, that should be just a token, a gesture of goodwill. And I think one of my favorite stories was uh, the, the startup of Google. The founders were working out of a house in Silicon Valley and, um, oh, I don't remember the name anymore famous, already success, you know, very successful entrepreneur in the Valley came and visited them in, at their house. He said, I love what you're doing. He just wrote a check for, I think, $100,000 on the spot. He didn't ask for terms. He said, just tell me what terms you need. So that's what I'm saying. When you get people who are too worried about their side, especially with terms. Diligence is one thing, but 
when an investor wants to give themselves proprietary terms, that's a red flag. And the way you test is by asking them to make a small investment now without those terms as a goodwill gesture so that you've got the money you need to operate while you take the extra time and money to work through that set of questions. Um, so those are some of the key ingredients, really dropping that fear and also being willing willing to risk not taking bad money. And I, I feel uniquely qualified to talk about this because money is one of those funny things for human beings because what's money really about? It's about our social status. In, in the end, it's a very tribal thing. Who's the dominator in the culture? Who's the, you know, who's calling the shots? Who's the oppressor? I mean, these are very old, uh, you know, tribal characteristics that... So when we're talking about money, we're really talking about human relationships. And we've all got our challenges. <laughs> you know, when we, if we just think of, oh, relationships, yeah, that's hard. Like, I don't know, what kind of relationship, you have, whatever you want to talk about. Relationships with your family, <laughs> relationships, you know, uh, so your significant other... Uh, than business. And I found myself going into transactions that my intelligence, my wisdom said, this is not right. This is not how a normal person would do business. Like, we're going back now a while. And I could see that I had a certain a certain kind of a neediness that created a kind of financial scarcity because you create from your state. So if you're feeling needy, what you create is more need. You create poverty uh, from the feeling of poverty. And look, I'm not offering this as a pure solution for poverty. Like I'm not going up and down the street telling people, hey, you're poor because you're thinking wrong. But you're not, I'm, t I'm talking to, if you're an entrepreneur, you are already, you're in your own class. That's different from just a poor person being poor. Not that this wouldn't necessarily help. Certainly, I've met a lot of people who were very poor and then changed their mindset and became wealthy. But that's not what this is about. This is about... You're out there, you want to be in business, you want to change the world, and you and, and yet you're making bad transactions because that, you see, one thing I have learned because I've known a lot of wealthy people, you can be a billionaire and still feel poor. So neediness and scarcity are not necessarily directly correlated with the money in the bank. So I went into different transactions with this feeling of lack. And I don't want to go through... <laughs> There's three main ones that really stand out, and I'm not going to go through all of them. 
I'll just say that the last transaction that was like that, it was just a more of a normal, it wasn't an investment transaction, it was just normal business. Um, and I made a deal kind of hasty because I, I wanted the money to go on a yoga trip to Mexico really is what I really wanted to do. It was just a consulting gig and the terms were bad. In in my heart, I knew it wasn't really going to succeed, but the other person was trying to drive a hard bargain. People who think they're driving a hard bargain, those are dangerous people because they don't really, they don't understand value creation often. So I, I knew it wasn't great, but I was looking at my bank account and I thought, all right, well, he doesn't really want to do this the right way, but it's enough money to carry me along for a while, and I took it. And then there was a time when there, now where there was the moment for him to put in the rest of the money so that the deal would succeed. And he goes, oh, I sent my wife or something, some excuse. And uh, he said, maybe you can show me how to do this. Maybe, what if I just, get, he was supposed to be making a $30,000 deposit, and instead he wanted to know if, he could pay me $3,000 to teach him how to be successful. And again, I looked at my bank account and it's like the $3,000 would have been nice. <laughs> I mean, because right, you know, coming from neediness, the money would come and then it would disappear. And there he was. So the deal was falling apart, but he was going to throw another 3000 and that would have gotten me through another month. And my bank account was, you know, really low, like $500. <laughs> and I said to the guy, you know what? Well, I got into this business to succeed. I, I could take your $3,000, but I guarantee you'll fail. Even if I just pour my heart into you, you're going to fail. And I'm not a loser. I don't fail that way. I don't do deals that way. I said, so I don't, I don't want your money. And you just go off and do it. You just do it however you want. You know, we had an agreement. You were going to put $30,000 in this date. I compromised a lot to that point. And now you're flaking out, making excuses. And that's a loser approach. And I'm done. And what happened in that moment was I got a real shot of some emotion. It wasn't adrenaline. It was, when people talk about integrity, I had trued myself. I really realized in that moment that I would rather risk being homeless, missing a meal. I've never been homeless. I've never missed a meal <laughs> in my life. I don't have a trust fund. I've just, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. And often my bank account was at $500. But at that time, it's just like, then I realized, it's like, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that. Where I take money out of that feeling of scarcity and that, desire, that kind of clawing desire 
that's really the bane of the entrepreneur is and that's where the bad deals come from so just like the greedy investor attracts the con artist and the needy when i say needy the the entrepreneur that is feeling a, a state of lack attracts a bad investor how do you get out of that state of lack it's like i need the money <laughs> i don't have enough money how do i do that well however much money you have in the bank your state is in your control uh it's easier to say that you know it's easy for me to say that because i experience that as a personal truth now I'm not always in a perfect state, but I do know that when I'm in a lousy state, I know that it is a choice and I may not quite know why or how I chose it, but I do look at it as that and then I decide to choose something else. <laughs> and why is this important is because you're creating your reality each moment. So you don't want to move into a transaction into a state of need because through that state of neediness, the words that come out, now you're creating from that state. So it, it seems unfair, but you really have to bring a kind of confidence that you don't need bad money to succeed. And that, and that you want to serve the best interests of the investors. This is the other thing, is really, if you're going to take capital, you are serving those investors. You have to be ready to be of service to the investor because they are buying a product. It's customer service of a different type. You might be used to providing customer service to whoever buys your goods or services. That, it seems very straightforward, but a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't, they think, well, I'm running my business and now I need money. No, you're selling an investment product. When you're raising capital, you're selling an investment product. And just like you want to have customer service on your physical products or your services, you need to have customer service for the investors. What does that customer service look like? It's, it's not that big a deal. Keep your books in order. You know, tend to your books three times a month until you've got an accountant. And even if you have an accountant, read your read your reports. Like take a day, take an afternoon to read your reports and really understand every line. That's integrity level one. The other is regular communications. You're going to need to set aside some time to at least do a quarterly report. It doesn't have to be some fancy thing in some glossy binder. These days, they don't mail that stuff out anyway. But I'm just saying, some kind of quarterly communication to your investors is probably enough to keep them satisfied that you're still trying. When they don't hear from you, they start thinking that you've run off with the cash. Usually, that's not true. Usually, what's going on is you're working like crazy, and you think you can put them second. And that's always a mistake because what happens is if you treat your investors well 
they like that. Then they call their friends. And one of one of my friends, I'm not going to say who it is or what this business is, but he's a vegan entrepreneur, and he really got into this habit. And now money comes in just much more easily because whenever he needs more money, he just goes back to his original investors. And if they don't want to put more in, they'll call their friends. So bringing that integrity to yourself, to your books, and then to your relationship with your investors, with your customer service, that's a really good way to keep things in order. And again, look very carefully, be very calm when somebody's flashing a lot of money. That's bait, right? That's the bait. You're, that's for your greed and fear is attracted to that big check, and you'll, you know, that's where we do all kinds of crazy things. And that's not the time to be defensive. It's just the time. See, offensive or defensive are a polarity. Integrity is not a polarity, per se. If you're out of integrity, then you're in, you know. Greed, fear, offensive, defensive. But integrity is not a polarity of non-integrity. It's just, it's, it's its own thing. It's a whole separate way of looking at the world that doesn't fundamentally have an opposite. It's your centering. Why, you know, people say center yourself. That's what they're talking about. Get centered. A big check shows up, get centered. Be willing to walk away. Even if, it's, even if it sacrifices everything, you want to put your integrity more important than the money, then you, the, the crazy thing is you probably, in, in my experience, the more integrity I brought, the less money problems I had. And it's a really important lesson because Vegan Launch itself now, that's what is allowing me to take more and more responsibility to receive more and more energy from people to help bring people together in this very funky thing called money where we're so used to thinking of it as you know the the guys on wall street the cutthroat people or whoever i'm not saying everyone on wall street is cutthroat i'm just saying that you know the movies and the and the lore and we and this tendency to think that anybody who's accumulating money has done it from either greed or cheating. Yeah, sure, some have, maybe a lot, but not everyone. And because there's a basic nature, if you plant an apple seed and you water it, you get a bunch of apples. That's the basics of seed capital and growing a business. The tree is not greedy, <laughs> and it makes a lot of apples. If you're just true to your nature, our, our basic nature as a human being is abundance or creating a profusion of things. That's the nature of nature. If you look at all of nature, there's every, every aspect of nature has a profusion. There's a, a, one friend called it a fecundity. <laughs> you can look that up. 
Right? The nature of nature is profusion. When human beings are living in scarcity, we're, we're somehow misaligned with ecology and our own nature. And that's really what I'm telling you. If you're, if you're this far in this video, that's what I'm telling you. Get aligned with your own nature and work through that fear so that you can make decisions from your own center from peace, from integrity, from love. Those are fine ways to make money. Fine ways to relate to your investors. It's much more fun that way. And those are good filters, right? Rather than if you're needy, you're attracting greedy. If you're being loving and you're in integrity, you attract other loving people who have integrity. Because they're not... It's not a polarity. Again, we normally think of polarity like you know, opposites attract. But when you're in a when you're in the center, there's no opposite to the center. If you're loving, if you're in integrity, then you're you're just not as attractive to people who are coming from greed or fear. And there's really nothing to exploit in that way. So there's not that, that you avoid that parasitic relationship. Anyway, you can see this is a topic I enjoy talking about. I think this is a good point to wrap it up. And uh, feel free to put questions below and I'll answer them either in the comments or in another video. Thanks for watching.